Welcome back to Keyhole Conversations, everyone. On this episode, we are going to be talking, me, Marcus, your host, and Summer Duran, or Summer's Edge Photography on Instagram, about the lovely experiences we have endured during our 30s and how they differ. We have an episode coming up that I'm very excited for that is going to deal with and dive into the different um, how like different age groups perceive the world. So, um, on an episode that's coming up in the new near future, really soon, we're going to have someone with that's in their mid twenties. I will represent mid thirties. Then I have someone in their forties, fifties, and possibly sixties. So we'll have five guests on the show. Hopefully it won't turn into chaos. <laughs> um, the only thing I'm worried about is, I am not someone who gets offended very easily. And in fact, I don't find myself offended almost at all anymore. It's just like... It's a free-for-all. So, yeah, there's so much weird stuff in the world that pisses people off that I'm kind of like, I hope the person in their 60s doesn't piss off the person in their 20s and then it turns into like an on-air fight. Or a debate where everyone's just kind of going at each other. See, and me, myself, I don't mind debating, but I've, I've told myself in my thirties, and this is one thing I figured out because in my twenties, um, I think one of the major differences, how I changed, because they say like scientifically you change every 10 years or so, Mm -hmm. like you, you develop and become a new person, which I believe you should. I think that's healthy to become a new person and develop yourself over the years as long as you're not becoming like a crappy person like you want to be better better but um i don't have like a point to prove anymore in my 20s i always and i i notice it very vividly with was that the right word very vividly Mm. if yeah I think that's the word. That, that's why for. you're in here. You're you're the you're the grammar person. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I don't use my words correctly. Um, but I, I noticed that in my 20s, I always would like get in these debates, and I would get heated mm-hmm. to where I didn't care. I would double down. You know what? What's the term? Uh, plant your feet, kicking oh, your yeah. hooves, whatever. Yep. No one was going to beat me in a debate. And it didn't know, it didn't matter if you knew you were wrong kind of thing. Yeah. (laughs) If, if I was visibly losing, I would just dig in and double down harder and be like, no. And then instead of tactfully debating, it would just become who can become louder in the conversation and out draw the other person. And I don't do that anymore. I more so will listen to people give my feedback if it's asked for and then just let it be but in my 20s I was a totally different person in that regard I was like absolutely not I have something to prove and I'm the (laughs) smartest person in the world and I got all this stuff figured out yeah see and I was never like I'm the smartest person in the world type but I was the same exact way where I would like double down knowing I was wrong knowing they had good points or knowing okay I should probably side with them because I see now what they're saying and I understand it better. But no, I'd be like, nope, nope, absolutely not. <laughs> Doubling down on this, I will I will die on this hill. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny because in my teens and into my early 20s, I was uber conservative, super conservative. 
I took the values that were uh, bestowed upon me by my grandfather and even my father and was like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. You know, just every right wing talking point. I was all about it. Right. And then in my mid-20s, I was like, screw this, man. These guys are dumb as a pile of rocks. These old timers, they don't know anything. And I became uber super liberal, like went far left. I sold all my guns. I was um, very liberal with everything in life. Like I aligned and I like did straight line uh, party voting where it was just like, nope, not voting for one Republican. I'm just going Democrat, 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 Democrat down the line. Without knowing what they were about or anything. Yeah, I didn't care. It was a team and I wanted my team to win. It was like watching a sports game, you know, and I got super into politics and everything. And then COVID started and COVID made me turn around to becoming like I, I always tell people and I've used it on this podcast before. I am like um, politically homeless. Like I don't align with either one now, but I have found myself and it was so funny because Shane Gillis says this on uh, his latest episode on or not episode, but uh, stand up special on Netflix. He's like, you start becoming more conservative the older you get. And I'm like, oh my God, he's right. And I uh, I remember one of my supervisors at the time telling me, you'll swing back to the right. Trust me. I was like, you're full of it. I never would do that. You guys don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. And lo and behold, I have guns again. COVID really made me look at things differently and like liberties and stuff where I'm like, hmm, maybe the left has lost their mind. <laughs> but truth be told, it seems like both parties have lost their mind. Uh -huh. But I don't have the energy in me to try and debate either side. Well, and like this comes back to something that we've talked about before is like, you're not going to change people's minds. You can sit there and try until you're blue in the face, but then that goes back to the same thing you're doing in your 20s is arguing debating and it, it goes nowhere. Like the only person whose mind is going to change is your own. And that's because you're willing to, but arguing with people nine times out of the 10, out of 10, you're not going to change your mind. Yeah. And, and that's how I was in my twenties. I, I am more of an open person in my thirties when it comes to listening to people's points. And there's like a term and it's like, and I find myself doing this and it's like, People should listen to understand, not listen to respond. Exactly. And I have become so much better at listening to understand than listening to respond. And I look at old Marcus from the 20s um, and I'm just like, dude, you were kind of dumb. <laughs> Weren't we all though? <laughs> yeah. And, but that doesn't, I don't want to like disparage people in their 20s, but I just, I, I have a, a close friend who she's 20, 23 now. Super liberal um, in everything, very, uh, can be a little combative in like not respecting because she always uses this, this term, old white man. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I get it, you know, whatever. Um, because I was very much that way, but I try to give her a little bit of insight, like maybe you should listen to them a little bit more and maybe they will. But at the same right, I find people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, I, it's almost any age bracket now. No one listens. Everyone just wants to win mm -hmm. and they want to be on their team. And we've gotten so 
uh, tribal with our viewpoints. And then there's me now that's just like on the bleachers, just like watching these two teams tear each other apart. And it's scary to me because I look at younger generations that are coming up, um, you know, teenagers and stuff. And I'm like, what world are you guys coming into Mm -hmm. where I don't think we'll ever reach like a full blown civil war. Hopefully not. But socially, I think we're already in like a social civil war where it's the primarily older generations and younger generations going at it. And primarily, I find that older people tend to be more conservative and maybe I'm wrong in my viewpoints because I I do know older liberals, but I'm also very uh, biased in this because we live in Utah and it's super... Not as bad, but it's still super conservative here. Mm -hmm. But that was one thing I noticed coming into my 30s is I stopped arguing and started debating, but from a understanding of, I don't even want to try and change these people's minds. I just want them to see my point of view. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've, like like you said, you've kind of had that as well. Yeah, where Uh, I'm trying to be better about not arguing with people. And I haven't done it as much, but it's with things that I feel like I get misunderstood about. And then I find myself like trying to repeatedly, but, but that's what I meant. This is what I meant. Not this. And it's like, they're going to think what they think anyways. Like, why are you even like, you're just making it worse by continuously trying to get your point across. And it's the same thing. It's not going to change people's mind. Yeah, and I think us as millennials, like millennials have a very interesting viewpoint on the world because people that are aged, I would say like 30 to 40 grew up in the information age and the technology boom to where we remember a life before technology mm-hmm. and we had to grow up and adapt with technology. Yep. And one thing I will give to younger people is they're very innovative with technology. Mm-hmm. And one thing I will say, I personally struggle with older people and you coined this term, um, technological, uh, or what? what Ooh, uh, it's, I can't think of it now. Weaponized incompetence. Yes. I was going to say, incom- I was going to say socialized incompetence. And I'm like, that is not right. <laughs> you weaponized. Yeah. And yes. it, it's like this term that you coined just, dude, it set off for me. Cause I was like, I run into this a lot of the times, especially at my work. I, I work with an older generation and it's so funny because they're, they use a term a lot of the time, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, uh-huh. get stuff done. You get out there. I had to make myself. And I'm like, yeah, but you guys are not doing that now. A lot of you, a lot of you are like refusing to learn and you have handholding tendencies when it comes to technology, when technology, technology has never been simpler. Yeah. It is so easy now. And it is, it's just the simple fact of they don't want to do it. And it's probably because they do come from that, you know, workforce where they're like, pull it up by your bootstrap. I walked uphill and uphill, like both ways to and from work and school and home. And I'm just like, no, you didn't. <laughs> I, I, I love those memes that you see. And it's like, 
everybody in their age, 50 plus explaining <laughs> getting to school. And this it's is like, how I got to school. Yeah. And it's like a war zone and like an Straight art of <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, come on guys. Like serious. Yeah. Like I get you had it way rougher than the younger generations, but you guys weren't going through like a war zone to get to school. No, not at all. And it, it's in in that I think we are blessed people in their 30s right now because we understand both. We understand also like you have never been more free to express your opinion. You've never been more free to um, have ultimate uh, information at your fingertips. Yeah. But you also, I personally think, have been have never been less free as well. True. Because we live in a time where every one of us is super impressionable. Everything you read on the internet, you need to like triple check now and people don't do that. Even those uh, fact checking websites have biases now that they've shown where they're like perpetually thrusting false information or claiming one claim's not true. And it's like... Not really, you know? Yeah. That's why I love watching some of these like uber conservative talk shows. Like, um, I mean, there's there's a bunch of them on YouTube and stuff. Not even talk shows, but where they go debate like liberals on campuses. Right. And I always love watching these because it's so interesting to see these two different mindsets go to war. And then me just sit back and sit there and be like, you have a point and you have a point. And there's middle ground and you guys need to meet at that middle ground. That's the problem is that they won't is like, even though the other person will probably be like, that was a really good point inside. They will never say it because saying that means you lose. (laughs) Especially if you're being recorded. Exactly. (laughs) Like there's nobody can be like, you know, I see your point on that because then everyone's going to be like, you see, you understand now. And it's just like they would be totally destroyed. You can't, there's no sportsmanlike conduct in debates anymore. It's about wiping the floor with the other person, getting your point across and being the winner. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and now nowadays I find, and I find this as a fault to the younger generation, is they're very, they seem very caught up in the, I gotcha. Yeah. I got you on camera saying something that you said in a heated moment that you may or may not have meant and you're going to burn. I'm going to cancel you. (laughs) Yeah. Social warriors and armchair, social armchair warriors, I find are much more our age bracket and lower and not so much the older age bracket. Yeah. And those those are the ones being canceled, the older ones usually, because they're the ones that I just, I remember in the nineties when everyone could say whatever they wanted, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, they're still in that mind frame. We, as our generation have learned, okay, you can't say some of these things. And then we especially have learned, oh, well now you can't say some of these, these things because there's consequences now. And it's like, these guys up here don't care. They're older. They're like, we're old. We don't give a shit. Oh, sorry. No, you're you're fine. You can say whatever you want on the okay. podcast. It's YouTube where you got to watch That's what right. you say. That's right. Because they're very anti-swearing uh, swearing and stuff with monetization. But on this, you feel free to say whatever you want. As got long it. as you're not saying a racial slur or a derogatory <laughs> comment about 
Well, no, there's consequences. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. rightfully so. There should be consequences Absolutely. to some things. If, if someone blatantly says a, a racial or oh, yeah. radical viewpoint, I wouldn't say, like, to me, don't cancel those people. Because this is another, like, viewpoint that I've established in my 30s. Because in my 20s, I would be very much, like, take their voice away, yep. everything. It, it was, like, the big thing with, um, oh, what's his name? Crazy, radical, right-wing dude. Um, he was the one that started that whole uh, bullcrap with um, Sandy Hook. He said it was a oh, hoax and all this stuff. yeah. Very crappy viewpoint on it. And he came back and apologized for it, but he got sued. He got... Um, destroyed. Destroyed. And rightfully so, a lot of his followers started... Um, they would harass these families which mm -hmm. is not right no it's not but i also always have stood on the point of like i am 100 percent like a free speech purist like i am like you can't jail people for their speech yeah. you can't uh ticket them like in canada and stuff there's like hate speech laws where you can get in a lot of trouble yeah now does that mean that i think people should be saying like racial things and things of this no. nature against your your sex, your gender, your any no. But I think you got to be very careful cuz it's a slippery slope and I think I always go back to and kind of this is like everyone thinks I'm a Joe Rogan uh nut and fanboy <laughs> which I do listen to a lot of Joe Rogan, but he says um the best uh weapon against bad speech is better speech. Yeah. Because the rules that you implement now can always be turned against you. I mean, we've seen that with, uh, I mean, people forget history, but when Nazis yeah. take, took over Germany, all the speech that they, you know, deemed not right, quote unquote, you got jailed for it. You got killed. You got murdered. Mm -hmm. Okay. You want to do that in this day and age, but that can always come back to bite you because... Whoever controls the reins at that time is going to have that to their advantage. Yep. So I always see a lot of the uh, my more left-leaning friends uh, putting these ideas out of cancel, take away, blah, blah, blah. And all I think I, that does personally is gives the right-wing crowd that tool when they get into power, which they will come into power mm -hmm. at one time. You're You're never going to... I mean, it's proven throughout history, uh, civilizations fall, uh, governments get over toppled, things change. And I don't think you want those people to have that tool to silence you. Mm -hmm. And it can happen. It can. Like that. And so if you take away freedom of speech for one group, you're taking it away for all. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it might benefit your group at the time, but it's not going to benefit your group for forever. forever it's always going to come back it's like from my observations the social construct is a swinging pendulum it always goes far right and then it always comes back far left yep. and then far light right and i think that's one of our problems as a society is we have this pendulum that just swings one way and the other way and you know because Rightfully so, even the liberal people have 
a point because you remember when, and Republicans don't like to remember this, but I remember as a child growing up during 9-11 and the French did not want to go into Iraq, I believe. Mm -hmm. I think they supported the war in Afghanistan, but um, I don't, I don't think they were on board with going into Iraq. And then all these right wing people lost their mind, and they're like, "We're not calling French fries French fries they're anymore." They're freedom fries. Yeah, you remember that <laughs> I stupid do. crap? I do. <laughs> it's like you guys, like, yeah, you're bashing liberals for using this, but you you were part of the cancel culture as well. Yep. It just wasn't as prevalent back then because you didn't have TikTok, Instagram, the following, Facebook, YouTube, all yeah. these different platforms. And what's scary to me is I see, like, let's face it, YouTube is owned by Google and they are a left-leaning platform. Mm -hmm. Then you have Rumble, who is not. They are the exact opposite. That's like Republican YouTube space. And I think what happens when you don't allow discourse and you don't allow conversations to happen, you create echo chambers and you further radicalize these people. And that's kind of where I was going with Alex Jones. Alex Jones did say some things that turned out to be true. Like when he did the whole, um, everyone thought Bohemian Grove was fake. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, it's not real. He snuck into Bohemian Grove and these high level congressmen and exposed their weird, crazy rituals. (laughs) Now he also said some really stupid stuff. And I would dare say, 90%, if not more, of the stuff that comes out of that guy's mind is stupid and crazy. But when you deplatform him and take all this stuff away, you further... It's like shining a spotlight. mm -hmm, And you create a martyr out of someone as well because then their followers see, oh, they're trying to get him, and they radicalize Yeah, it's like he must be saying something true if they're trying to shut him up. And then it, like, furthers their belief in him. Yeah. And I find that people, at least me and a lot of my friends um, that are around our age group, are more accepting of both sides of the coin. Mm -hmm. Now, that's I'm not saying that's true of everyone, but the people that I surround myself with. And you're going to surround yourself with like-minded people for the most part. But I surround myself with people that have very differing points. Because I don't like to be around the people that think the exact same thing as me because then there's no interesting conversation. And it's, it's kind of, it seems like that's what this whole cancel culture is about is creating a group of like-minded people. And in the end, it's like you're creating a herd of sheep and not to say that they're sheep, but you don't have anything that opposes you. You have no growth that way. There's nobody saying, what about this idea? What about that? You know, there's no debates. There's just no growth. It's all stagnant because you all think the same things. And if you don't, you're afraid to say something because you're going to get canceled. So you don't say anything. And then how does a society change? How do we progress? Exactly. And I don't think you, I I, I think you hit it on the head, sheep. Yeah. And sheep exist in both uh, sides. Yes, absolutely. Because... Um, what's one of the big things the right-wing people... Lions, not sheep. Yeah. Well, you're still in a herd, dude. Yeah, you're just in a herd that calls themselves a lion. A lion, yeah. Yes. You have a you have a um, lioness and a... Uh, what do you call the, 
the pride mm-hmm. main leading lion, whatever. The alpha. Yeah, you're still following someone. Yeah. So regardless whether you guys want to take the cooler animal, <laughs> yeah. the more strong one. Yep. Um, a herd is a herd. Yeah, exactly. It's And that's what it is. And I find that a lot of us millennials, we almost kind of feel a little like off-put by both those ideas. Yep. Like, what? Like, I don't want to join either camp. And I think that it is very strategically um, designed to keep us in these two groups because here we are as a society and we are currently, the current big topic, whether you agree with it or not, whatever your viewpoint on it or not, is gender theory and um, the the trans movement and all that. Now, I'm not going to give my opinion one way or the other. If you want to go see people's opinions and educate yourself on the left opinion and the right opinion, go. there's a five million bazillion YouTube <laughs> videos out there that you can watch. But my problem is, is we have the older generations and the younger generations and everyone in between arguing these points about this while the people up top are further pushing the national deficit, further passing laws and things and getting involved in these wars and these other issues. And we're arguing about what a man is and what a woman is while they're, and I think they like that. I think they're like, yeah, keep arguing over there. Now, behind their back, let's pass this bill, this bill, this bill, and do this and that. And it's like, dude, how can you guys not see this? Yeah, I don't know if you saw, I did a post the other day on Facebook and it was something I read and it's so true. It's about this jar and I think it's fire ants. And it says, if you put a bunch of fire ants in a jar, they don't fight each other. Oh, once, oh, it was red ants versus red ants black versus, ants. Yes, that was it. And it's like, if you shake the jar, they fight. So who's shaking the jar? Mm-hmm. Because we're the ants. Yeah. And that's what you have to think about. Who's behind the curtain? Exactly. It, If you haven't watched The Wizard of Oz, you're living under a rock, (laughs) go watch that movie. And it's so funny. Some of these old movies and things had points that people got in the time and we've all forgotten. Yeah. And so I think that's something that I have changed very much being in my 30s is I don't choose a side or a camp. I I don't care about winning anymore. I just care about understanding. Yeah. And um, I was talking to you earlier in the week about like a rite of passage of Mm -hmm. coming into your 30s. And I think the thing that I realized is no one has anything figured out. Yep. And I'm blessed in my job that I get to meet new individuals every month and new individuals from varying backgrounds, demographics, ages, sexes, races. I get to see all this and I get to absorb all of these viewpoints. And that's all I do. I just absorb them and I just listen to these people. And I think that's one thing that in my 30s I've come to realize is like in my 20s, I was like, I got it all figured out. I know what I'm doing with my life, blah, blah, blah. And now in my 30s, I'm like, I don't really have anything figured out. And that's okay. Yeah. It's like I'm, I don't want to say content because I think content is. Like, to be content with your life to me is boring. Stagnant. Stagnant. I don't ever want to be content in life. Now, do I want to be 
financially secure. I guess you could call that content, but I don't ever want to reach the point of just like, I'm content with whatever. You just want to be constantly moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I am not afraid in my 30s to admit, and we're both in our mid-30s now, that I don't know. (laughs) I don't have the answers. I don't know. And I, I also took a very strong viewpoint in my twenties, I was super anti-religious. Yeah. Um, coming out of high school in high school, I kind of got, I would, I wouldn't say indoctrinated because there was no, uh, group like pushing this on me, but I started reading very, um, different religious, uh, literature. Cause let's face it. We all kind of want something to kind of grasp onto. Mm-hmm. I think even atheists in a way kind of want that. And I was very uh, atheistic in my viewpoints as a late teenager and early to mid twenties where it was like, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in any of this, but I also latched on to like Satanism. Mm-hmm. But the more I did research on Satanism, I remember reading Anton LaVey's satanic Bible I was like, oh, my God, these are my people. Like, this makes so much sense. And then I read The Satanic Ritual, which is the second book by Anton LaVey. And I was like, these people are a bunch of Dungeons and Dragons nerds. (laughs) I love that (laughs) reference. It's just like, what? (laughs) You guys don't believe in, like, God and you're atheistic, but then you have a book called Rituals where you're putting forth magic and, like, if you (coughs) excuse me, if you concentrate hard and and do this, you can conjure these like bad things to happen to this person. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I guess I can't judge that whole book because by chapter two, I was like, I'm done with this crap. (laughs) And then I went back to just being an atheist. But now in my thirties, I find myself uh, way more tolerant and respectful of people's religious beliefs, which I think is kind of unfair to people who fall in the Christian category. I think they get beat up a lot and there are a lot of reasons to not like Christians, some of their beliefs, some of their points, but there are a lot of reasons to not like a lot of religions and to disagree with a lot of religions, but you never hear anyone bash Buddhism. Um, Very rarely do I hear anyone bash any religion out there, but Christianity just gets like drug through the ringer, man. It does. And I, I think sometimes it, people get bad tastes in their mouth from specific religious groups and then umbrella the entire group. And it's it's basically a form of racism, but just in a category. You know, it's just like, oh, Christians are like this. And it's not. It's people. Yeah. And no, you hit it right on the head. It's people. Because... Yeah. I was very put off by religion in my, as a kid, Mm -hmm. I wasn't even in my teens yet. I remember that, um, I was baptized Mormon and my home teachers had brought about this whole idea that, uh, you're not going to see your family on the other side unless you're sealed in the temple and all this stuff. And then there was this like class system that I seen like the terrestrial, the, I don't know all the names of them, but there were like three classes of heaven. Mm -hmm. And then there was outer darkness, spirit prison, and outer darkness was like the Mormon purgatory, like Mormon hell. Um, so it wasn't fire and brimstone, but it was still something. And I was like, wait, you're telling me I'm not going to see my family because we don't go into some 
temple and get sealed. I'm like, that's bull crap. Yep. And I remember thinking very ill of almost all Mormons after that for a long time. And now I've kind of taken it back to where I'm like, whatever people want to believe in at the end of the day to help them throughout their lives, as long as they're not a pushing it on other people and be true. I mean, your religious beliefs are going to influence your political decisions. I mean, let's face it. You can look at that when it comes down to uh, pro-life or pro-choice. It's because it's the core values of the religion. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not as much in the camp of like, you're Mormon, you're stupid. Right. Because at the end of the day, I don't think anyone can say definitively that 100% 100% they might say that but no one knows no no one knows if islam's the way or mormonism's the way or if catholicism is the way or buddhism is the way the one thing i can say that um in my late 20s once i started like no i'm not a satanist and i was still very atheistic in my viewpoints but i was also like researching other religions and there was a quote from uh buddha and it was like don't believe me because I say so. Believe because you feel so. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing terribly, but I was like, I, I respect that. Yeah. And so nowadays, in my 30s, I've come to the acceptance of people are going to have their religious beliefs and just let them have it. Yep. And just, you know. But there are those people that if they're going to go out there and express their religious beliefs as the golden rule and try and push those on other people. That's when I kind of still have a problem with that. Like, no, you're not going to do that. You shouldn't be forcing your viewpoints on other people. Exactly. And I think an unreligious person that is so atheistic, they almost act as bad sometimes Mm -hmm. as the religious people with their viewpoints. And it's like, just let people believe what they want to believe. Exactly. I guess that's another uh, thing that I've adopted in my 30s. Live and let live. Yep. Whatever, you know. My favorite, though, is like, I have an uncle who's atheist. And he's like, you believe that there's a man upstairs that's pointing his finger down at you, being like, you've been bad. It's horseshit. And I'm just like, yeah, well, let him believe it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You You don't have to even entertain the idea of other people's religions, but you also don't have to make it a mission to debate them, to try and disprove them because that is one thing that in my twenties, I was very, 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 um, confrontational on was religion was religion. And now I like, that's a topic I avoid like the plague. Mm -hmm. I'm very interested in people's religious beliefs, but I'm not interested in, trying to disprove them yep but i i do look at religion in my 30s as almost like a a a social demographic experience because i'm like look if you're born in utah you're born in the lds culture and the likelihood of you being lds is by far farther Mm -hmm. if you're born over in one of the asian countries your likelihood of um Buddhism or Hinduism is that that's more Hinduism, Turkey it's more area. yeah Middle East but Taoism uh, Buddhism 
Uh, there's another one. But yeah, all of those, you have a much, much greater chance of being those. Yeah, because it's all these isms. You're surrounded in them. Yeah, it's like, you guys have a core set of beliefs over here. They have a core set of beliefs over there. Most of these religious beliefs are to make you a better person. Other people would argue that it's to control the masses, which maybe sometimes the masses need to be <laughs> controlled a little bit. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's just like where you're born dictates a lot of what's going to happen with those religious principles. That's and true. I always find it very interesting myself is, and I think this is one thing that religion's kind of like a business. They want you, I don't know a religion that doesn't want this. LDS want you to marry LDS. Catholics want you to marry Catholics. Um, Islam wants you to marry into Islam because I have noticed from my t short time on this earth of 33 years so far. I'm 33, right? Yeah. I'll be 34 this year. That, <laughs> yeah. That's another thing in your 30s. April. You for, you, you, dude, in your 30s, you forget how old you are. I have not remembered since I turned 16. <laughs> <laughs> but you're very anti-aging. Aging. Yeah. I, I want to get on that in a second. But <laughs> oh, I, I just want to continue with the fact of it seems to me like if you have a, we'll just take two religions that I'm very, not very familiar with, but more familiar with a Catholic and a, a Mormon that get married, the child ain't going to become either or. Yeah. For the most part, it's going to be, well, my mom's Catholic, my dad's Mormon, I don't know what the heck I am. Yeah. And so. And I find that religions do that because, it, again, it goes back to, like, their core values. So, like, Mormons and Catholics might work. But their vision of heaven and the afterlife is completely different. But I don't think either of them believes in contraception. So it's like one aspect they get along, but the other one they're never going to agree on. But it makes it easier when you have the same values, same religious beliefs, because you're not like, again, if you have children and you're two different religions, it's like, well, where do they get baptized? That's going to be a fight. Unless you talk about all that stuff beforehand, which most people don't, it's like going to come back later and it's going to be like, well, no, they're going to be Mormon. No, they're going to be Catholic. And it's like, if they're not baptized, then they have original sin and they're going to come out basically bad. And we don't want them baptized that way. We want them Mormon baptized. And it's just, it causes chaos. You, you're someone who's very interested in religions though. Yes. Like, didn't you do a religious studies class or something in yeah, college? Yeah, world religions. Yep. What is it about religions that gets your brain going? The fact that they're all so similar, yet people fight because of them. A lot of them have the same core stories. A lot of them have the exact same values. But because you're not calling or you're not worshiping, I guess, the exact same guy with the exact same name, then you're fighting over it. Or it's like with Catholics, you know, they, they look at Mary. They talk to Mary. We talk to Jesus if you're Christian. And if you're Muslim, it's Muhammad. But Muhammad and Jesus have very similar stories, if not the exact same story almost. But they're different religions. Yeah, there's a very good documentary that I always tell everyone to go watch. And it's called The Zeitgeist. Yep. I believe it's still on YouTube. 
Now, whether you get into the... This documentary was very uh, controversial because it talks about 9-11 being an inside job and then it talks about the banking system and all that. But the first part of the documentary is very informative where it shows you the similarities between all of these profits uh, reaching back to basically um, astrology yeah, and the following of the stars and how... Uh, Horus from the Egyptian culture and Jesus share the same birthday, the same backstory, all of that, and mm-hmm. it relating to these stars in the sky and and the sun and all of these things. So I think you're very on point when you say they're so similar, and then it's like you just call things a little differently. Yeah, and like there's different beliefs in the afterlife with with each of them, and and that's totally fine, but. The fact that religion has started all the wars and they can say it's not religion all the time, it's money, but it's usually a background in religion, religious faiths, religious, uh, you know, pushing their religion on people or just cultural differences due to religion. Religion starts all the wars. Money funds them and money gets circulated from them. So it's like a profit for everyone, unless you're the losing side typically, (laughs) but It's just so fascinating to me that you have the exact same story being told all across the planet, but everyone's fighting. So would you say religion is a root of all evil? Absolutely. I I really believe it is. Because if we could just get to the values of it, don't kill somebody, you know, love people, be kind. That's basically what all of these religions are preaching you want to sit there and live your life in a way to where, you know, you wear a hijab, you cover your hair because that's part of your culture, then that's fine. But don't come at other people for not wanting to do that. But the core values are all the same. They're all there. But we're all fighting. Yeah. I remember um, one of the things when I was in my 20s that I'd always get backlash on is like, well, where did your um, morals come from? Mm -hmm. They just came from me. Yeah. No, they come from religion. And I'm like, but but they don't have to. Yeah. They can come from just knowing things are wrong. Yeah. Like murder, theft, yep. all of that. And anyone that wants to say that you are morally corrupt or something without religion, I just don't think they understand that you don't need that to be a good person. Right. But at the same time, I mean, I agree with you that it can be a root of all evil, but I also think that religions can help people through very hard times. They can, yeah. It's it's not even that religion, I think, is the root of all evil. It's the pushing of your religion onto others. The competition. Yes. The, the team thing yeah. that we see. With politics. Politics, yeah. yeah. And that is what causes nations to go to war with each other. And I know I'm blanketing it by saying like everyone on the planet, basically when it boils down to it has the same religion. I will say with the exception of the Asians, because a lot of theirs are very, very different, but a lot of them still do kind of start the same. Mm. One guy like Buddha, um, Taoism, I believe is just like the way it's just like moving with the flow, not standing against the current so that your life is easier, which I get that. But for the most part, it's just like you said, it's, the division and the people that fight over it. It's just, it's always fascinated me. Now I, 
to kind of switch uh, gears here. Yes. In my teens and my 20s, I always wanted to be older because I wanted people to look at me with a level of respect and uh, wisdom and knowledge. And I remember I was always pushing to, I got to be older. I want to be older. I want to be like 26. Then people will respect me more. And Mm -hmm. that totally wasn't true. And I haven't seen that people respect any age really differently. In your 30s, you get people, I wouldn't say respecting you more, but they kind of understand that they're probably set in their ways. I'm not going to change them a lot. Yeah. Because I get a lot less of the push with things. Because I remember in my early 20s, it was always like, when are you going to have a kid? When are you going to have a kid? And now in my 30s, I don't get asked that question at all. And it's so funny. Now that I'm not being like pushed in the realm of like, when are you going to have a kid? When are you going to blah, blah, blah? Now I'm starting to think about, oh, I could be a father. Mm-hmm. But before I took the stance of like when things are pushed on you, you, you don't almost wanna, rebel. Yeah, you don't want to do them. And so in my teens and 20s, I always pushed to be older in these benchmarks. I always remember 18, independence. I no longer have to listen to more parents. <laughs> 21, oh, I can buy booze now. And in Utah, 19, oh, I can buy cigarettes, although I never smoked, but it was a thing like, oh, I, I, I could. have this new right. Yeah. And then in my mid-20s, like 24 hit, and I was like, okay, slow it down, slow it down. I'm aging too fast. And now in my 30s, I find I don't really care yeah. about getting older. You have a little bit of a different opinion or I, I guess not opinion, but viewpoint feel, yeah. viewpoint and feeling towards it because you said you cried at your 16th birthday. I cried at 16. I cried at 18, probably at 21, definitely at 25, 30 hit. I had an existential crisis. 35 hit, I think you know I was having an existential crisis yeah. because you were here. Um, yeah, and I think that what it kind of stemmed back to for me is when I was younger, I was very much a people pleaser. I was doing everything for everyone and nothing for me. And so it never felt like I had enough time. And I think that I felt like, oh my God, I'm already 16. Like, I haven't done anything I want to do. And then 18 hit, same thing. 20 hit, same thing. 21, or not 20, not 20, 21 hit. And then 25, that's when I was like, I have to stop this. Like I am, and that's what I've been slowly trying to do. Have to stop this, like have to put the brakes on aging? No, the people pleasing so that I don't feel like I'm losing all my time. And so that's what I worked on from like, 25 to now is I'm not a people pleaser anymore. I very much stand up for myself now, which I didn't do a lot in my twenties. And it's like, now I'm finally able to kind of calm down a little bit. I do still have the existential crisis, like especially with 35. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I'm halfway to 70. <laughs> yeah. We all kind of <laughs> yeah. like, Whoa. Yep. Time is such an interesting concept because it is yeah. a concept created by humans. I mean, I get it's it's real, but it's kind of we are the only species I think that worries about time. I think you're right. I don't think you see the tigers and the lions and the bears going, "Yo, time's <laughs> time's going too fast." I only got a couple good months left. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um. And like I used to, what I would do with aging was I would always say, 
you haven't done nothing with your life. You haven't done nothing with your life. And I kept looking at that. And it wasn't till about 30, because I thought 30, I was going to have this huge problem because I was very much like you. All of my late 20s birthdays, I was like, no, I'm not even, I'm still 25, yeah. I'm not 28. But I look back on my life now, especially when I explain uh, to our new hires and stuff at work, What? because we always do introductions like, where are you come from? What have you done? And I'm like, man, I've worked in a music shop. I've worked in warehousing. I've worked for the county health department. I've been a member of the American Red Cross. I've been a member of the Medical Reserve Corps. I've been an EMT. I've gone through the fire academy. I've driven a garbage truck. I've driven a school bus. I've become a educator. I've become, and I've done podcasts, music, photography. I've traveled all these places. I'm like, you actually have done quite a bit with your life at the young age of 33. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't, I don't think you appreciate your accomplishments till you really sit down and explain them to someone. And then you realize I've done a lot. And to me, life is not about money. It's not about possessions. It's about experiences. Yeah. And I can say that so far I've lived my life in a way of, if there's something that interests me, I go try it. Mm-hmm. I was explaining this to a group of new, um, new recruits at uh, my work. And I was like, yeah, I went and drove a garbage truck and I knew I wasn't going to choose sanitation worker as a career, not disparaging anyone that drives garbage trucks. I did a whole post on Facebook about how without these amazing individuals, our society would be trash. Literally. Literally. (laughs) You look at countries that don't have a sanitation system installed and they are living in trash Mm -hmm. so they're what they do is super important super unsung heroes it just wasn't the career for me that i wanted and i knew that going into it but i knew as a young (laughs) child i was one of those kids that would six years old i would sit there on garbage day and listen for the garbage truck to enter the neighborhood and i still do this at 33 (laughs) if i have the day off i am I will make sure that my butt is planted in front of the window to watch the garbage man pick up the garbage (laughs) cans. And I've driven the trucks now. But I knew at a young age, I was like, I want to drive a garbage truck one day. And And I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. And I did it. And I had a lot of fun at it. And I also knew at a young age, I was like, "I I want to drive a fire truck. I didn't drive one. Well, I drove one at the academy. You had to do some very, very simple maneuvers in the gar- or in the fire engine at the academy, but I didn't ever get to drive one on the streets. Um, but I did ride in a garbage truck going code. I did ride in a police car going code because I got very interested in law enforcement and did like ride-alongs. And as an EMT, you had to do clinical hours, so you'd go out with these fire crews and EMS crews. And it was so interesting to see those walks of life. I've almost treated my life now as knowing I'm like you're not ever going to be dead set in a career and I'm fine with that and the reason I'm fine with that is because this go around on my life if reincarnation is something this is my go around where I experience as much as I can and I try and understand as much as I can and I've lived my life like that to where now at 33 I can be like 
wow, you've done a lot. You know, when I talk to other people that have done one job their whole life, they've never done any of these experiences. And, and again, not to disparage them either, just me, how I judge success in my life is through experience. I think that's a really good place because most people don't judge it that way and then they're way too hard on themselves. Yeah, I find in today's society, it was so interesting. We were watching, um, we finished 1883, Mm -hmm. which was like these people didn't even have time to think about hobbies. It was all about survival, Mm -hmm. right? And it showed it in a very good way. That's why I really liked that series. And now we're watching 1923. And there was an interesting scene there where um, Harrison Ford is with his family and they're on the streets of this Montana town and they're the concept of motor vehicles and electricity and appliances is coming into play. And one of the characters with him says, if we buy these appliances, we are just going to become your slave to pay off these appliances. Yep. And I think that's true to today because a lot of people um, tend to do the keeping up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. And I think material materialism is pushed down our throat. It is. And it's like you can't take any of it with you when you die. No. It doesn't matter what car you drive, what phone you have. I mean, it's nice having the latest and greatest, but there are people that will go and they will get the iPhone 13, and then once the 14 comes out, they throw that 13 away, it's garbage, and they go to the 14, mm-hmm. and then the 15, and so on and so forth. And it's same with vehicles, same with appliances, same with homes. I... I have a coworker who always makes these disparaging comments about me and my home. And recently I bought a Mustang and I didn't buy a fancy, dancy, super cool Mustang. I just remembered Mustangs from my uh, late teens and early twenties. I always owned a Mustang. I think it's pretty cool. (laughs) It's a nice car, no doubt, but it's only the V6. It's nothing super fancy that's going to beat everybody on the streets, but I'm not interested in racing people anymore. I'm not interested in proving myself to anyone Mm -hmm. anymore. It's just, it's something that brings me a little bit of enjoyment. But he always makes comments about where I live. And he's like, oh, right, that car looks really nice in that ghetto, in front of that ghetto home of yours in Magna. And I'm like, dude, my home is my home. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what city it resides in. It doesn't matter how many rooms are in it. It doesn't matter what the materials are or what's in the home. It's a place where I get to go rest my head because again, I live my life for experience, not things. Mm -hmm. So I'm not here half the time. Yeah. I over half the time. I probably spend 20% of my time in this house. Yep. And so I don't need this big home in Harriman and people that want the big homes, more power to you. Again, I'm, in my 20s, I'd have been like, those material jackasses, they just want... <laughs> now, I'm just of this opinion of live and let live. If that's how you define success for your life, that's fine. Yep. That's not how I define success for my life. So I have no plans in even ever buying another home in Utah. One, the economy here is insane. Yes, it is. We're slowly becoming California. Mm-hmm. Our prices for homeownership here is just... Through the roof astronomical i saw a post the other day that said home prices in utah are going down and all these people were commenting like where (laughs) yeah what are you talking about they're They're never going to be the levels that they were when we bought homes and that's one thing that i feel really bad for and that i get to see 
And it's like, I own a home. You own a home. Um, people older than us, most of them own homes. And then they get down on the younger generations, like pull themselves up by their bootstraps. They're still living at home with their parents, blah, blah, blah. It's like. They don't have a choice. Yeah. It's like, like if, unless you are a two-person household making 60 grand each, you're not going to be able to afford a home in this here. economy. No. Not here. And even in other states where, um, I mean, you, you can look at like, the cost of living in Wyoming or Kentucky or North Carolina and com- comparatively look at it from California and Utah. And yeah, the homes are cheaper there. But those people that grew up and are living in those economies are also uh, controlled by the constraints of wages. Wages yeah. aren't as high in those communities and there's not as much uh, opportunity for economical growth there. Yep. So unless you're a Utahan like me that sells a home here and gets oodles of money in equity because I bought before the housing market was a crisis, the same thing applies. Yeah. Like, because I can look at a home in North Carolina and be like, oh, that's a nice house with land for $280,000. I can outright go buy that with my equity. But someone who was born raised in North Carolina who's working the jobs that don't have the as high as wages as we have here, they're in the same boat. Yeah. It's all relative. And I don't know how, I'm not an economist, but I don't know how uh, inflation ever makes any sense. Like we're going to give you a raise. Well, everything went expensive anyway. So no one's ever really getting raises. We're just getting enough to survive. Yeah. And I think that just comes from printing money. Mm-hmm. Like, like what? Yeah. It's so dumb. It is very crazy. It's a crazy world, but in my 30s, I've learned to enjoy the days that I have. I've learned to enjoy the people that I have, both left-leaning, right-winning, and right-leaning, not (laughs) right-winning, left-leaning, right-leaning, and the people in the middle, and just enjoy experience. I think that's really good. Everyone told me that I was also going to fall apart in my 30s. That you were going to? Well, that that's a general rule of thumb. That's when all the medical problems start happening. I was like... Okay, well, I will attest to that one. <laughs> maybe I'm an outlier because... I think you are. I have never felt healthier and never gotten cleaner bills of health from my doctors than in my 30s. I hit 30 and my thyroid problem developed and like... Well, I was going to say my... Uh, my foot got broke, but that's, you know, that's not really a that thing. I know. I'm like, oh, that's not really a maybe thing. Maybe your bone density played a little bit into that. But maybe. that was also you fell off a horse. I did. That horse had it <laughs> had it out for me. But no, my thyroid issue hit like right after I turned 30. And I was like, oh my God, is this what it's like? And everyone's like, yes, this is it. Like your body turns against you and starts hating you. And I was like, this is terrifying. Yeah. And I've, I've lucked out. I've you had have. a really good stretch. And that's one thing I will say in my 30s that I've also come to a realization on 20s I felt invincible I didn't feel any repercussions from my choices I was a party goer I was an alcoholic I um I didn't use and abuse substances as uh, like drugs or anything like that but I did with alcohol right and partying and all that and that stuff caught up to me in my late 20s right as COVID started where I was like, 
man, you're looking pudgy. You're not feeling <laughs> as good. And hangovers really hit now. Yeah. And so that stuff did catch up with me. And in my 20s, I also had a very bad back injury mm-hmm. to where I was laid up for, I think I went on uh, FMLA, family medical leave assistance mm-hmm. for like three months. Yep. And that taught me to appreciate and I do so more now every day that I have where I have a clean bill of health. I mean, I was pissed that I had a cavity two yeah, weeks ago. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> um, but, and the thing that's even cemented that and hit it home for me in my 30s is I do see a lot of my friends going through health crises. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, you got to appreciate every day that you have that clean bill of health because there are people out there that do not and you do not appreciate your health until you don't have it. And it goes back to like a whole mindset shift. I think I've told you this before where it's like not you specifically, but like Mm -hmm. people saying, you know, Oh my God, I got to get up and go to work. It's like, no, you get to get up and go to work. You know, that's something you get to do. Some people don't get to do that. Some people aren't healthy enough. Some people, lost their job because of that. But it's like, if you change your perspective on it and shift your mindset, like it turns something like disparaging into a really positive experience. Oh, 100%. And this whole idea has been even more hammered home recently. um, One seeing my father and his aging Mm -hmm. health or his declining health due to age and choice. And I had a friend who suffered an aneurysm about three weeks ago. Super healthy guy, 51 years old, has an aneurysm, and now he's laid up in a hospital on a ventilator with a very, very rough road ahead of him. Like he is at the bottom of the well, and he has to climb out of that. And going to visit him on Sunday... And seeing him that way and then remembering I had just seen him three months prior walking around full on conversation. And now it is taking everything for this guy to even open his eyes. And he has a machine breathing for him. And he woke up just like me and you, went to work and suffered this medical episode and now his life has changed forever yeah it's appreciate what you have yeah in your 20s you don't appreciate well not every 20 year old but i didn't appreciate anything with time. i didn't either a lot and really? that comes i think later with age and wisdom mm-hmm. but that being said i think we're going to wrap this episode up um like i said we are going to have a very interesting episode coming up here in the future we're recording it hopefully this Saturday and I'm going to have different age groups in uh, from the mid twenties, mid thirties, mid forties, fifties, and maybe mid sixties. If I can find enough microphones. (laughs) I Um, do want you to ask something though. What is it? And I I was going to ask you, but I don't think that you've seen it because you're obviously a trainer for drivers, but I have heard through so many people that like the younger generation in their early twenties, don't want to drive. They don't want to get a driver's license. And so I'm really curious if the 20 year old that you get in here, I want you to ask them, is this a common thing and why? 
because I've heard so many people, like the guy that I work with, he was telling me the other day, he's like, my 22-year-old son just got his license. He didn't want to get it. He pushed back forever. And he's like, and his friends are all the same way. And I don't understand it because like that was our freedom growing up. Um, I think, and I have seen this with um, friends that are in their like uh, mid to late 40s and 50s who have kids that are coming up into yeah. 15, 16, 17. And do, I couldn't wait to get into driver's ed. Me either. That's why I'm like, why? What is going on? And there is a fear of driving. And um, to me and you, like you hit it on the head with that equated independence. Mm -hmm. I don't think the independence is seen the same way by the younger generations anymore as me and you viewed it. Right. Because me and you were like, we can get out of the house. We can go explore. We can go to the grocery store. We can go do this without Mm -hmm. our parents tethered to us. No one to rely on. And it seems like people in their 20s don't care about that because their escape is through technology and the digital Mm. world and not the physical one. That is one thing that scares me a lot is people are getting so immersed in the digital world. And I mean, people can spend hours and hours and hours in these fantasy worlds that are created by computers And that's where they like to go. That's true. It's kind of like their escape. Whereas ours was like you said, the physical world where we could go and drive and discover new things. And because let's face it, our biggest, biggest escape when it came to like technology was, well, I can get on MySpace a little bit Mm -hmm. and there's like dial up. (laughs) That's kind of a world and dial up and, and like I can play Grand Theft Auto and escape into this digital city that's very limited. But now you see some of these, um, what are they called? Like M M O O's or something like that. Massive yeah. online. Like that. I video. don't yeah. you know what I'm talking about. I do. Um, because I have a, the friend um, that's in her early twenties. I talked to her a lot. She plays final fantasy online. Yeah. I'm like, well, what, what's the point of this? Is there a storyline? She's like, not really. There's like different quests that I go on with my friends. And, and when she talks about hanging out with her friends. It's online. It's online. That's it so is not in person. Weird. It is online. I mean, she does hang out with them. Right. In, but I'll ask her like, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, I hung out with my friends. Oh, what'd you guys do? Oh, well, we went on and did this fantasy quest. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. And that's kind of scary because... I I really fear for these kids that are like five, six, seven, eight coming up because the online world is going to be so immersive. It is. I mean, they are selling digital homes and things like that in these. Wait, what? Yeah, you didn't hear about this? No. Yeah, there was like this, there's this, and I don't know what what platform it's on or whatever, but this digital real estate. Mm-hmm. And like Snoop Dogg had a home in this digital world and the price for the home next to him was astronomical. No, like a real house? No, a digital house. No, but I'm saying like uh, like the price of a real house. It was a lot of money. I, I won't, I, I, I would be oh pulling my. numbers out of nowhere. Right. But it was a ton of money. Like ridiculous for being a digital house. Yes. Oh my God, that's insane. And, and think about all these different forms of currency that aren't really worth anything like Bitcoin and yeah. all of this, which are kind of crashing as 
that yeah, I'm aware of. They're, they're going away. Going away or going down. Yeah. But it's it's a weird world to come up in. And these kids are going to have to navigate not only, and this is where I'll take these kids' side, is they not only have to navigate the physical real world, they're navigating the digital world yeah. and the digital universe that is being built every day. And that's like another thing because one of my big lessons for my 30s or something that was so different when I transitioned into my 30s was I stopped caring what other people thought. Because before that, it was always like, oh my God, what are they going to think of me if I do this? And it's like these kids, they can't escape it. Like I feel because it's, there's such an online presence, there's online bullying, you know, it's everywhere. You do something wrong, it's viral. And like the cancel culture and stuff. Have you seen, there's there's an episode of Black Mirror that, um, and this is something that's being rolled out as well. It's not like, government controlled in the United States, but in like China, you have a social credit score that you were telling me about this because I've never seen it. Yeah. If your social credit score is low, you get restricted on things like plane flights and travel and stuff. And I think, um, in this black mirror episode, it's very much like that. And there's this old truck driver lady in the, um, episode that's like that this lady around our age meets up with and she's like, wait, you don't care if you have an F in your social credit score. She's like, I don't give a damn what people think of me. Mm -hmm. But you're right that social cred is a thing. It is. Kids these days, and rightfully so, they think about this because it's there are ways of making money in it, but influence culture yeah. and all of that is a massive uh, thing that's perpetuated and put in their face on a daily basis. And uh, me working with children every day, I see it just, and and you probably see it in your young nephews, the screen time, the oh phones. Oh my God, it's so bad. Yeah. And then like for the parents that, not like to say that all parents used it as a babysitter, but for the parents that, you know, allow it like at the dinner table or all the time, they're like, okay, this has become a problem. It's excessive. You try and take that away from a child now. You're they lose their mind. Yeah. yeah. They lose their mind. They do. It's crazy. Like the the fits that these kids throw. And it is. It's like they're losing a limb. Yeah. Get, uh, Governor Cox is um, putting forth this bill in Utah now that's trying to outright ban cell phone use in Utah schools. I don't agree with the bill because I don't think the government should have that much control over uh, your children. But at the same right, I see where he's coming from because it is becoming a disastrous way of life. I mean, you see it in child suicide rates are through the roof. Yeah. And, and you got to feel for some of these uh, kids because me and you, when we grew up, bullies were, you know, I mean, they, they what was the phrase my mom always used? Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt me. Words hurt. They do, and they can't escape those. So like me and you, if we were being bullied in, because I was highly bullied in elementary school, junior high. I was on both sides. <laughs> yeah, I, I I was never. In high school, I came into my own and developed uh, confidence and self-respect, and with that, the bullying went away. But mm -hmm. I could also escape it in 
once I was out of the school setting, you didn't the see bully them. wasn't around me anymore. Yep. That's not true anymore. No, it follows you. They're on your page. They're on your friends list. They're on your friends' friends list if they're not on your friends list. They can follow you unless you block them. They can comment on your stuff unless you block them. They can create new accounts to get around it. And they're always probably watching with their phone waiting for you to do something stupid so that they can post about it and bully you some more. Yeah. And there's no escape for it. And that's why I'm like, one of my core lessons from my 20s to my 30s was stop caring what other people think. But what what about these kids? How are they going to stop that? Like, you have to grow such thick skin to not care about cyberbullying. Mm-hmm. Because it follows you, like you said, everywhere. Yeah, it does. And it will, it, it doesn't go away like that. And there's no true way, I don't think, I mean, some of these social media platforms and the education system and everything, they try to police it the best they can, but it's really unpoliceable. In the, in the end of the day, it's got to be the parents. They've got to be the ones to be like, you know what? I'm not getting you a next iPhone. I'm going to get you this little cricket with six phone numbers. You got 911, me, your dad, your sister, and then like a friend. But then you set the kid up for kind of bullying in that yeah. sense because other kids are like, what do you mean you don't have not Shoot, man. <laughs> so true. The kids bully me because I don't have the link. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. And have you ever told anyone? Because for a long time, in my uh, early 20s, I deleted my whole social media, everything. I deleted my MySpace, my Facebook. It was all gone. Right. People think you're weird if you oh, don't yeah. have social media. They're like, wait, what? Yeah. You don't have any social media? I was like, no, I didn't. It was the freest I had ever been in my life. Yeah. And it's, what are you hiding? Yeah. Why, why don't you have it? Like, do you have like five girlfriends that you're hiding like all your pages from? Like... So I had applied for this job with, uh, I, I won't name the city, but I had applied for this animal control officer job and I got, um, accepted, interviewed, scored really high, moved on to like the fourth round, which was basically the background check. And once you pass the background check, here's your job. And I remember sitting in this room with this detective, dude, I will never sit in a room with the detective without a lawyer <laughs> ever. And I'm just thinking, oh, you know, it's a job interview. They're going to ask some things, whatever. And I remember she went through my social media in front of me. What? Yeah. No, she made me hand her my phone with Facebook, logged in. She went through all of my messages, every one of my posts, all that. And she probably had already gone through a bunch of this beforehand. But to do it right in front of you. Mm-hmm. like Because so... I was like, I was kind of like put off by it. And she was like, well, what do you have to hide? I was like, well, nothing, but that's kind of. Private will. I was like, okay. And I showed it to her. Nowadays, I would have enough self-respect to be like, I don't want this job. See ya. Exactly. You're not going to invade my privacy like that. But I remember I had a Facebook, but I didn't have an Instagram. And I didn't have, what was the other thing? I don't think Twitter was around. I still don't. Or not. No, no, that was it. TikTok wasn't around, but I think Twitter was. Mm -hmm. And when I had told her I just have a Facebook, she looked at me like, Just a Facebook. I was like, yeah, I don't have Twitter. I don't have MySpace. I don't have Instagram. You sure about that? Like, (laughs) that was so odd to her. And I was like, no, go, go Google. I don't have any of those. Right. 
So it's a it's an odd time. Yes, it is. It's an odd time, and it it's interesting to watch it from the 30s. It's also interesting to watch it from the 30s, not being in the mold that a lot of my friends fell into. Like, I don't have any children yet, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's even a bad thing. I actually just seen one of my friends... He's 38. She's having her first kid. And I was like, good for you. I was like, you have a solid foundation to raise that kid. Not, I'm not saying that people had, that had kids in their 20s are bad. Didn't, I'm just saying yeah. I chose not to go that path. And um, I think it will benefit me more in the long run because there's a foundation. I'm more, I'm way more financially secure than I ever was in my 20s. Yeah. I, I think we need to get away from this mindset of have a kid as soon as you can. And that's very in Utah. That's ingrained in Utah culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like she's 38 having her first child. I'm like, good for you. That's, that's awesome. But that is. Um, I don't know where I was going with this. Oh, it's, it's just interesting being in my thirties and being able to watch and observe all of this and learn from people, their successes and their mistakes and, I've always been a highly observant individual, but it's like been heightened in my thirties as I'm mm-hmm. just, I'm, I'm like uh number five is alive, dude. A what? <laughs> number five is alive. Short circuit. Oh, Input. that's Input. Right. Oh, yes. Input. I'm always like, <laughs> that is Input. the perfect representation. Oh my God. That's my next tattoo. I'm getting number you five. You need so. that. <laughs> Anyways, oh my gosh. Um, we will catch you guys on the next episode. Like I said, we have a really interesting one coming up. And uh, we also have uh, some other guests. I Hopefully, I'm going to get a massage therapist um, to talk with. Because I've always found that career to be... I could never do that, dude. Touching people all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't do it. I have the strength for it in my hands, but I could not do it. Yeah. And then I have a cybersecurity expert coming on, which is going to be interesting. Because in this day and age... Robberies and home invasions and stuff like that, they still happen. But the way you lose big is digitally. Oh, God. This is going to make me paranoid. I know it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, um, as I always say, be kind out there to everyone and be happy, humble, and humorous. And we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. See you later.